All right. We are here with Lynn Helms, who is the director of the North Dakota Department of Mineral Resources up here. And actually, I know I know you you wear multiple hats because you let's see you're the director of for, for the marketing as well, aren't you? Well, we part of our job is to promote the production of the resource. And we we have a promotional arm, which is the geological survey. And their job is to identify valuable mineral resources in the state and promote them to investors to come and drill or mine or um, extract those minerals and uh, boost our economy. So yes, I, I straddle that fence. I have a geological survey that does that. Uh, publication and promotion, and I have an oil and gas division that does regulation. Wow! So that's you. You've got you've got a, a large role to fill then in the uh, energy industry for North Dakota. Is what that means, right? It feels like <laughs> it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, the individuals here were lucky enough to get to hear you speak just a little bit ago. But I thought maybe if you'd be interested, you could share with our listeners what you were talking about in regards to North Dakota oil and gas. Sure. So we just came off a decade of phenomenal growth where North Dakota went from number eight in production to number two, went from 100,000 barrels of oil a day to 1.5 million barrels a day and grew the state population fourth uh, highest growth rate in the nation between the 2010 and 2020 census. So we saw Places like Mackenzie County, Watford City, triple their population uh, over the last 10 years. And all of that because of people investing in oil and gas and moving to North Dakota to make that happen. So then 2020 happened and uh, everything came to a screeching halt over a very short period of time. And uh, so we partnered Uh, using CARES Act money, partnered with the industry to keep a core group of of people employed and uh, working through the last six months of 2020 until things could begin to recover. And now they have. So we talked about the fact that we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, We're back to 18 drilling rigs. We have nine frack crews running. Uh, That's not nearly enough. Uh, Companies are getting back on their feet in terms of profit and producing capital and just visiting and networking with folks here at the conference, finding out that our oil and gas operators are making big plans to go back to investing next year. So we think that we're going to get really back in business next year and that we can have another decade of phenomenal growth. And so I put some challenges out there of some things people have to do to make that happen. Oh, what, what, what were your challenges? So the first one was that they've already got 14,448 uncompleted wells on the books. Mm. Wells that they've drilled and not completed or wells that they plan to drill when, when budgets return or wells that legally I've signed an order approving the drilling of that well. They just haven't permitted it yet or, or drilled oh. it yet. So compare that to the fact that we only have 14,095 already drilling and producing. It's Mm -hmm. more than double. So over the next decade, they need to more than double the well count in North Dakota. That's a big enough job in itself. That's going to bring enormous natural gas production. And 
one of the things that our state is all in on is putting the policies in place and getting the investment here to add value to that, to, to break out all the products and store them, provide propane to North Dakota and South Dakota farmers to dry their grain, uh, provide ethane to a plastics industry uh, to make plastic, uh, and use some of that to make electrons uh, to do things like charge your iPhone <laughs> across the country and export it as electrons. So that's, that's number two. And then the third challenge is that we're only recovering about 10 to 15 percent of the oil that's in the bucket. So even with everything we've done, we're leaving 85 to 90 percent of the oil in the ground. That out of every 10 barrels, eight and a half to nine is staying down there. And so we're going to invest in research and field trials and figure out how to do what they call enhanced oil recovery, which we think can double the amount of oil that we recover from the rock. And that'd be over the next 10 years. Hopefully there's more to come behind that. Well, yeah, actually, um, since you brought up EOR, I had been curious. I had seen that there are three main methods uh, that are generally currently in use. And then I'd seen that Russia was developing a, a plasma blast of some sort. And I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, I was yeah. curious to know what kind of what kind of methods is it? Are you strictly using a gas lift, the CO2 method or? Um, no, not at all. Uh, there are several research projects on the use of CO2. And you heard the, I don't know if you were here yesterday to hear the governor's challenge, but um, his challenge is to utilize CO2 from our coal-fired power plants and also CO2 coming into the state for enhanced oil recovery, which will allow us essentially as a state to become carbon neutral, which, which is an awesome challenge and an awesome goal. And so that's one of the methods that's being studied. There's been some experiments and tests and research done with that no successes yet uh, mm -hmm. so that but that is that is one of the primary forms that we're looking at another form is to actually re-inject the gas that comes out with the oil and that's been done successfully in South Texas and so there's been one or two tests of that in North Dakota some near misses but no successes yet and then we have um, some professors and grad students at University of North Dakota that are working on uh, a nanotechnology to oh, wow. deliver something in into the reservoir, uh, whether it's CO2 or a surfactant or something, to recover more oil. And then finally, we have funded a, a research project that's now in field trials. Uh, a local North Dakota company has come up with a uh, biologically produced through a fermentation process nano surfactant that we can treat the wells with that looks like it's going to allow us to recover a lot more oil so wow. no we're 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 pushing all the buttons not not just co2 i'm going to see that that's that's wow that is yeah. quite a lot of innovative techniques so with with the nanotechnology just because this was what popped into my head is so it's kind of like a timed release and is what you're saying you send the nano bots or whatever downhole and then when they are in place they release whatever the payload is i guess the yeah exactly the so the, the the pore spaces in the bakken are very 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 small they're less than 20 nanometers mm. in size so it, it, you you couldn't in in a lot of them you could barely get a human hair in there and so delivering 
something into there is is difficult and then having it do its thing so yeah these are intended to uh, be small enough to get into those little pore spaces and then much like the gel cap around your medicine to release it after it's in there not in the well bore but after it has actually gotten into these small nanopores in in the rock itself wow what happens to the nanobots after they've given their payload? I mean, are they are they made they, of? They are made of stuff that uh, um, degrades, so they're. So they completely it just degrade goes right back into nothing. the environment harmlessly. Exactly. Okay. They they attach themselves to the rock, and then over time and with temperature, they they just go back to what they were before they were fermented. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually makes brings me around to this potential carbon tax with all of the research going on here in North Dakota should the administration put a tax on carbon what would that do for research here in North Dakota so um, one one of the things about a carbon tax is it's it's sort of uh, what do I want to say it's retroactive and it's punitive uh, in that it takes capital away from the companies we think a, a better approach is to partner with the industries that are already working on this and successful uh, to some measure and you know provide grant money and encourage capital investment into these kind of technologies as opposed to taxing people for not using the technologies. Um, it, it takes a lot of capital to do one of these things. Um, a billion dollars worth of capital to capture the CO2 off a coal-fired power plant and, and deliver it to an oil field. And so if, if you tax them, uh, I guess, you know, that's a stick, and, and you can, you know, punish them for not doing that. Yeah. North Dakota's approach, on the other hand, is to take earnings from the Legacy Fund and partner with them in loaning them money at low interest and in investing in research on ways to do it economically uh, so so that they'll have a, a different reason and a different driver for doing it. Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually, but I, I've listened to quite a few speakers talk on different parts of what's happening in, in the energy industry to try and give a hand up and make it, you know, get it back to full strength again, I guess, if you will. Yep. So, what, so I guess with with the possibility of this this climate tax looming, do, do you think that affects the outlook, the future outlook for the industry here in North Dakota at all, or is it, are you still feeling pretty optimistic? I mean, well, we're we're still very optimistic, but um, it does create a lot of uncertainty and anxiety, uh, particularly amongst the smaller companies and uh, especially the smaller companies that ended up going through a chapter 11 last year because of the pandemic you know they're just getting back on their feet and and so it would take capital away from them at a time when they desperately needed to to invest in these improvements we've talked about i don't know how you know if you tax the money away from the company how then do you get them to raise capital and invest in in what they need to be doing seven eight years from now that's yeah. that's a very good question. <laughs> well, I guess I know and, that, and I think I think that they can invest that money more wisely than our government can. And I and I work for the government, but the government rarely makes wise investments. 
and these companies can see what, what they need to be investing that money in in order to move themselves forward into a carbon neutral world. Oh, oh yeah, Coll- collaborative efforts mm-hmm. seem to work best. That seems to be, that is the approach that North Dakota wants to take in all of this. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Is there anything that you would specifically like to let people know about? Is there something of very you know, importance that you think should be shared? Yeah, I want to really talk about uh, the some of the policies that our legislature put in place this last, we just finished a legislative session. And one of the things that they did was to create a government partner for industry investment in getting to carbon neutral. It's called the Clean Sustainable Energy Authority. And this group uh, is going to start out with $25 million and also be able to loan $250 million to companies to do the kind of research that we're talking about to move towards the goal and the challenge that the governor put out there, which is um, let's, let's get the investment and the research and the policies done to make North Dakota carbon neutral in 10 years and carbon negative in 20. Bold statements. Mm-hmm. Definitely possible with what what's, what's happening here in the well. Yeah. Uh, as the governor said, we hit the geologic jackpot. So we have the oil resources, we have the coal resources, we have uh, the geology to store CO two, and so we can actually and and we have the the soil science to do it as well uh, in the Red River Valley and in the green pastures out in western North Dakota. So what we need to do is pull all of that together and actually. We're looking to a future where CO2 from other states that weren't blessed with our geology comes here to, to be uh, disposed of or, or stored out of the atmosphere, turning North Dakota into, into a carbon-negative state. Actually, uh, Lieutenant Governor Sanford had mentioned something about that yesterday, stating that North Dakota seems to use more CO2 than what they're even capturing. So it's necessary to, to pull it in. It's, 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 so that's, that's, yeah. that's really, that's, we're, we're almost need, there we're now. We're going to right? need CO2 here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So that's what I want, I want to, you know, leave everybody with is uh, the, it's not easy, but our, our state has worked hard to put the tax and regulatory and investment policies in place to, to partner with our industry, uh, to provide them the carrot and and the assistance to get there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jennifer. <laughs>